Hello, it's great to be with you this afternoon. Uh, Today is a great day, isn't it, to celebrate families, uh, to celebrate mothers, to celebrate new life. Um, I know that today sometimes can also be bittersweet because uh, life is complicated, isn't it? And families aren't always perfect. In fact, if you, you know, these beautifully dressed uh, parents and children and babies all looking so cute this morning, you know, it wouldn't take much to disrupt that. I know I was staying with my grandchildren last weekend and, you know, a tiny little tooth or a a cold can soon disrupt what looks like perfect family life and there can be crying and sleepless nights and all that kind of good stuff. The reality is we live in a broken world, don't we, as well? And sometimes our family life can be messed up. There can be sadness as well as joy, isolation as well as togetherness. And maybe right now you're actually missing your mum. Or there's other sorrow in your family that is hard when you see other families happy. I want you to know that we stand with you. We know that in a congregation like this, people will be at different stages of life and facing different challenges. But here at King's, you are all welcome. And whatever your stage of life, whatever season you're in, we want you to know that you are very welcome here, whatever your family is like. This week, I got one of those catalogues through the door advertising a brand of clothing. And when I flicked through it, it had a number of T-shirts and jumpers, which had the phrase on it, Love saves the day. Uh, I had no intention of buying anything, but that phrase stuck in my head. And I thought that is a perfect phrase to describe parenting. Because in the end, as a parent, despite your best efforts, you know that things sometimes will go wrong. But if you can love your children, then that can cover all sorts of kind of regrets or things that don't go quite right. We know instinctively that love should be at the heart of family life. Most people, most parents, when they hold their newborn baby, will feel that overwhelming sense of love, and it it grows. And it's a good job, too, that we fall in love with those babies pretty instantaneously, because By the time they're two-year-old and throwing themselves on the floor, having a tantrum, it's great that we already love them. (laughs) And when they're, you know, three and asking hundreds of why this, why that, why the other, or when they're at school and they've forgotten their PE kit yet again, it's good to know that we love them, isn't it? And when it's getting dark and they're not home yet, Or when they're away at uni and they promised a phone and they haven't. It's really good to know that we love them. Love is so fundamental and important, isn't it, to family life. You know, I'm a parent. I've got three children and now three in-law children, you know. And it's, it's wonderful. I would say that being a parent has been the most rewarding thing in my life. So many joys. But I have to say there are regrets as well. 
There are things that I knew I could have done better. There's moments where I didn't know what to do or what to say. I was at the end of my tether. And that's where I too have needed that love. Because sometimes we run dry, don't we, of resources. When I was a parent, particularly parent of young children, I read a number of books about parenting. And one of the ones that really helped me wasn't so much about behavior and do's and don'ts. It was much more about the heart. And it was called How to Really Love Your Child. Now, obviously, that could sound a bit patronizing because don't all parents love their children? But actually, sometimes we're not that good at showing our love to our children in a way that they can receive. I loved my children, but I have to say sometimes I didn't really like them, ever had that feeling. And this book is still in print. It's still a useful book I would recommend to parents. And it talks about filling up the love tank of your children, that every child needs to know that they are loved. And that If you don't do that, you're not going to be able to tackle difficult behavior. You're not going to be able to put security into them. It's so important that they feel that they are loved. And the author has three suggestions of how you communicate that love to your children. Eye contact, focused attention, and physical touch. And so I just want to talk a little bit about those for those of you that are parents or carers or involved with children. Eye contact. It's so important that we look at our children when we're talking to them and we kind of draw them in emotionally. There are moments we need to put down the phones and switch off the telly and look them in the face and and make that eye contact to sit around the table sometimes and share a meal together and have that face-to-face interaction with our children so that they know that we love them and we care about them. It's important in all the busyness of, the, of our life that we don't just do things for our children. We do things with our children. We give them focused attention. That's hard because we need to earn a living to look after them and all those run them here, there and everywhere. But our children need to know that they get a place in our diary, that that we will give time to them, that at the end of the day, maybe we'll sit down and read a story together or watch a favorite program together. Let's give that time to our children. And then, you know, if you have more than one child... You you shouldn't just kind of lump them all together, but you need to find a way to give attention to each child in turn because they're all different. Physical touch. Our children need to be hugged and cuddled and kissed. And as parents, don't give up on that. Do it for as long as they will let you do it. Yeah? Uh, You know, there are so many dangers out there in the world, and we we get obsessed sometimes with with the bad things. That can happen. But at home, let's love our children. Let's put our arm around them. Let's sit next to them on the sofa. Let's show that physical love, because it will fill their love tank up. Because out in the world, they're not going to get that. 
And here at church, I want you to know that we protect your children as best we can. We have safeguarding policies and, and procedures in place because we know that sometimes our children can be vulnerable. But as parents, let's love them physically and in, in, you know, cuddle them and make them say, oh, mum, don't do that, you know, because they need to be loved. The Bible has so much practical wisdom about how to love your children, about how to put boundaries in place, how to teach them about your faith, how not to exasperate them. Yes, the Bible realizes that parents, sometimes we exasperate our children. In fact, Paul writes that in a little book called Ephesians. It's a letter that he writes to a church. And in that letter, at the beginning of the letter, he gives lots of important truths about who we are in Christ and what he has done for us. And then at the end of the letter, he speaks about how to do family life together, how to uh, love each other as parents, as as husband and wife, and how to honor our parents. And then in the middle, there is a prayer that Paul prays for the church. And it's basically a prayer saying he wants the whole church to understand God's love in a deep and real way. And the reality is that for us grown-ups, we also have a love tank, and we need to know that we are loved by God. So let's read this prayer, and let's just see the way that Paul talks about God's love. It's Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. It's an amazing passage, a really rich passage, and I want us to just look at it for a few moments. Um, mums, I don't know how many of you got any chocolates today. Anybody get any chocolates today? Oh, well, well done. You will get some as you leave, so, you know, to make up for the lack. Um, I, I love chocolates. I got some chocolates this morning, which was excellent. Uh, but I don't know about you. Sometimes you get a box of chocolates, and as soon as you look at it, you know there's some you're not going to like. So, you know, they're going to just sit there for a while And maybe on a desperate evening, you'll eat them anyway. But, you know, it's great when you get a box of chocolates that you know that you're going to eat every one of them and enjoy them. That's a real gift, isn't it? And, you know, this passage is like that. Because every phrase is like a rich, lovely chocolate. And it's to be savoured and to look at. So I'm just going to quickly pick out some of the phrases that are just wonderful in this passage. So if we can have it back up there. It talks about every family in heaven 
on an, and on earth, deriving their name from our Father in heaven. And that's, that's amazing. It's not just special families. Every family, whatever that family is made up of, it derives its, its identity from our Father in heaven. There's an inclusiveness in his love talks about his glorious riches. God, our Father, is all-sufficient. Unlike human parents, he never runs out of resources to give to his children. Talks about Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith. And that's where it all starts. For many of us, we know that. We, we came to Christ. We, we asked him to forgive us. We put our trust in him. And, and his Holy Spirit has come to dwell in our hearts. So his Holy Spirit is constantly filling up our love tank and saying, the Father loves you. The Father loves you. Talks about being rooted and established in love. That's like being a tree that has got deep, deep roots, that is constantly sucking up resources from the earth. So too for us, as we are rooted in Christ, we are drawing resources from him of the love of God. Talks about grasping how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is. It's, it's beyond measure, and yet we're asked to grasp it and try and understand it. It's beyond knowing, and yet we're called to know it. There's, there's kind of mystery there, because I think the thing is we're to know it in our hearts, experience his love, not know it in our heads. We're, we're called to be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God, to experience his love in a limitless, boundless, wonderful way. This is the love that saves us. It doesn't just save the day. It saves us for eternity. This is the love that God has for us. But how do we know that he loves us? I mean, like children, how do children know that their parents love them? Well, it's through some of those things like eye contact and attention and physical touch. How do we know that God loves us? Oh, we look to the Bible. We look to the stories and the themes and the, and the demonstrations there of God's love. So I want to look at three ways that God shows his love in the Bible. The first is that God sees us. You know, there's a story in the Old Testament of a servant girl called Hagar, and she was the servant of Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham and Sarah couldn't have children. So to try and kind of solve that pain and disappointment of not being able to have children, they took Hagar as a surrogate mother. And Abraham got her pregnant, And you can imagine that situation was not going to go well. And soon Hagar and Sarah were in conflict together. And Hagar, this servant girl, she runs away. She's pregnant. She's got no options. She hasn't got any resources. And she runs out into the desert, abandoned and rejected and confused. And God sends an angel to her. And the angel speaks to her of God's plan for her life and the, the son that she is carrying. 
And God, in effect, says it's going to be okay. Go home. I will protect you. I will be with you. It will be okay. And she, she answers back and she says, you are the God that sees me. And you know, you know this morning, whatever your situation, God sees you. Not to judge you, but he sees you with love and compassion. And if you will let him, he will speak to you and encourage you and bring help and reassurance to you because he sees every one of us. God focuses his attention on people, not just on mass, not just all the people together, but just like Hagar, he is able to pick out every single person on the planet and love them and focus his attention on them. And in fact, his purpose and his plan is for those of us who will seek him, who will put our trust in him to be adopted into his family. It says in the beginning of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. God planned to adopt many people into his family. I mean, adoption is usually a one-by-one thing, isn't it? It's a definite, intentional choice. I mean, here it takes a long time and a lot of paperwork to adopt a child or a baby. My uh, cousin adopted four children all in one go, which was a very brave move and involved a lot of bunk beds. But, uh, you know, was a blessing to that family of siblings that they were able to be adopted all together. But generally people are adopted one by one. My brother was adopted five years before I was born. My parents didn't think they could have children, and they chose him. He was their choice. They lavished all their love and attention on him. Well, until I came along anyway. (laughs) Now, adoption isn't without challenges, humanly speaking, but it is a wonderful picture of God's choice of us of his focused attention on us as people, of his drawing us in to his family. You know, he doesn't keep us at a distance and kind of wait to see if we'll fit into the family or whether we'll be good enough. No, he welcomes us in when we turn to him in repentance and faith. He adopts us into the family. And that's for life. We believe, you know, even if you mess up and you let God down, as we all do sometimes, you're still a member of the family. He's going to wait for you to come back. He's never, ever going to give up on you. He loves you with a focused attention. Jesus himself said in John 1 verse 12, to all who did receive him, that's to receive Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. 
And many of us have experienced that. We've been born again. We've been adopted into God's family. But you know, his attention on us isn't just for a moment. It's for the whole of our lives. And it is detailed and focused. Matthew says this. Well, it's Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 10. He says this. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Now just imagine that for a moment. Some of you guys here probably would like to have a few more numbers on your head, you know, a few more hairs there. But Hair is, is something that reflects our personality, doesn't it? I mean, my grandchildren, they've all pretty much been bald the first year of their life, but every little kind of wisp or tuft has been photographed because, you know, our hair is important, isn't it? I mean, if you think of your bathroom now, you've probably got a number of miraculous products that on your shelf that are meant to do all kinds of things to make your hair look great. Our hair matters to us. I'm sure many of the ladies here, like me, you have spent good amount of time and money in the hairdresser trying to look your best. And even the best hairdresser in the world, they might be able to kind of number how many braids you've got, but they certainly can't number how many hairs you have on your head. If they did, they'd probably charge us per hair, which would be even more expensive. God knows how many hairs you have on your head. He knows the most intimate and minute details about you. He loves you completely. He knows you. There's nothing hidden about you. There's nothing that surprises God about you. He loves you completely. Let that soak in. Let that soak into your love tank today. You are loved by God. But you know, sometimes God can still feel distant, can't he? He's a spirit. He's transcendent. He can still feel like he's a long way away from us. And so God chose to show physically what he was like and what his love was like. God became a man. He took on a physical Body. He wrapped himself up in the body of a little baby that was laid in a manger. He experienced the intimate love of a mother. He learned a craft from his father. He was taken to the temple and prayed for in a similar way that we have done this morning for the families here. He had brothers. He had extended family. He, know, he knew what it was to be tired, to be hungry to be alone, to be bereaved, to have sleepless nights as he prayed through something, to be in the middle of crashing waves and storms. He was God-made flesh, God-made physical, reaching out to touch those around him with healing and forgiveness and grace, reaching out to all that was ugly in the world to demonstrate 
his love for us. He was blindfolded and beaten. He took physical pain. He was tortured, a crown of thorns pressed into his head. He was crucified so that we might be forgiven and know ourselves loved by God. He was sent into the world to demonstrate that love. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Love saves the day. Love saves us. You know, there are things that I said and did as a parent sometimes that I know affected my children negatively. There are moments I've had to say sorry to them and ask for forgiveness. And there's probably a whole load of stuff I don't even realize that I could have done better. But God's love is not like that. His love is perfect. In his love, mercy and grace is perfectly balanced with justice and truth. In his love is the power to change us and redeem us. In his love is the acceptance of who we truly are in all our ugliness and brokenness, our wrong decisions, our selfishness. But in his love, there's also the vision of the best we can be with his help, the power of his Holy Spirit changing us day by day as we follow Jesus. In his love is a persistence. He is thoroughly committed to us. He will never give up on us. The work he's begun in us, he's committed to finishing and completing. That's the kind of love that needs to fill our souls. That's the kind of love that saves the day. That's the kind of love that Paul prayed we would know in all its fullness. That's the love that's available to you right now. If you've never experienced it, never received it, his love is available for you if you put your trust in Jesus Christ. As we close now, I want to read again to you those verses from Ephesians and pray them over you. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And as I pray these words over you, receive again the love of God deep into your hearts. When I think of all this, I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep 
is his love for us. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen.